Yes, I remember Adelstrop, the name. Because one afternoon of heat, the express train drew up there unwontedly. It was late June. The steam hissed. Someone cleared his throat. No one left and no one came on the bare platform. What I saw was Adelstrop, only the name. And willows, willow herb and grass, and meadows sweet and haycocks dry, no whit less still and lonely fair than the high cloudlets in the sky. And for that minute a blackbird sang close by, and round him mistier, farther and farther, all the birds of Oxfordshire and Gloucestershire. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved, the Lord be with you. And also with you. And so we commemorate the beginning of the First World War. We cannot change the past, but we are responsible for how we remember it and how we remember it opens up the future. We have a tangible link with those days in the frontal, which will be displayed in the cathedral during this period of commemoration. A frontal worked by servicemen from Britain Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and we've heard their names rehearsed this evening. But we also remember those hundreds of thousands from the Indian subcontinent, from Africa, from the Caribbean, who also participated in the first great war. We cannot change the past, but we are responsible for how we remember it. Almighty God, from whom all thoughts of truth and peace proceed, kindle, we pray, in the hearts of all the true love of peace, and guide with your pure and peaceable wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth that in tranquility your kingdom may go forward till the earth be filled with the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the prophecy of Micah. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. Peoples shall stream to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It is with such faith and such hope that we pray for the time when God will beat people's swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. But as the shelling continues in Israel and Palestine, it seems but an ideal dream more than any near-present reality. The story of humankind is the story of one bloody mess after another. 
so that the Christmas carol is horribly accurate when it says that man at war with man hears not the love song which the angels bring. Ninety-five years ago, almost to the day, the nation gathered here in St Paul's Cathedral to give thanks that one war at least was over. The newspaper reports of the time recall a sombre mood. An exhausted and troubled people were in no mood to celebrate. The Daily Telegraph described the scene. Grave and subdued was the whole setting in the soft light of a morning overcast with clouds. Yet to those who sat under the dome, facing towards the sacrarium, there was the beautiful radiance of the altar, embodying a symbolism of poignant and splendid appeal. The new altar frontal is the offering and work of soldiers so disabled that they can only undertake tasks involving no physical exertion. The richest white satin forms the ground. In the centre panel is the chalice, suggested, it is said, by a lad of 19 as the fitting emblem of sacrifice and surely implying a noble submission to suffering in the words, the cup which my father has sent, shall I not drink it? On either side are crossed palms embroidered in gold by men who kept the flag flying at sea to their own grievous wounding, while the bordering includes the rose, alike of mystical and national significance, wrought with conventional foliage in artistic colourings. Only eight days before this special service attended by the King and Queen, the Treaty of Versailles had been signed, containing terms and conditions which, many would say, sowed the seeds for the rise of Nazism and a Second World War only 20 years later. A war which saw this cathedral church directly hit several times. The altar for which this frontal was made destroyed and the work of our soldier embroiderers consigned to a storage chest for the next 74 years. A war which itself, it could be said, sowed the seeds for the current conflict in Gaza. Anniversaries of war are no occasions for celebration, and if anything provide moments of recognition that all is not well with the world. And yet we, as people of faith, are obliged to express hope despite everything. And the altar frontal, which provides the focus for our commemoration this evening, and indeed for the next four years, articulates both physically and aesthetically a legacy, lest we forget. The altar frontal is itself a legacy in textile and great artistry and one which has occupied the work and attention of staff and volunteers here at the cathedral for many months, for which we are deeply grateful.
because this legacy has itself acted as a catalyst for our remembrance, our remembrance being its own legacy, because memory is the mind's eye, which, firmly fixed on the past, informs our actions now and in the future. But there is another legacy which has been drawn here this evening by the altar frontal. And this is, of course, the relatives of the men who made this beautiful cloth. Some of you remembered your forebears talking about the St. Paul's altar frontal. To others, news that you were related to someone who had made an altar frontal for St. Paul's Cathedral came as a complete surprise. But either way, you came here this evening from Australia, Canada, and around the United Kingdom, drawn by something good and beautiful and used in the service of Christ's Church to remember and to give thanks for the British, Australian, Canadian, New Zealand and South African men who expressed hope despite everything and whose swords were turned by that very hope not into plowshares but into embroidery needles. And one of the most heartening things we've learnt over the last few months is just how many of our soldier artists carried on their embroidery for the rest of their lives. And how I love the story of driver Percy Cooney of the Royal Field Artillery, who was stitching regimental badges when Queen Alexandra visited him in the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital here in London, and asked for one of his badges. But he refused, telling Her Majesty that it was for his sister Mabel. On recounting the story many years later, his wife was horrified to learn that her husband had turned down a request from the Queen. But he found another piece of embroidery for his royal visitor, and she subsequently sent him a crested tin with cigarettes and cigars and a five-pound note. She was also present 95 years ago with her son George V and her daughter-in-law Queen Mary, gazing like us this evening at the work of driver Cooney and his 136 comrades. Perhaps he was here too, the cigarette tin carefully stowed away in his pocket, ready to light up once he got back out onto Ludgate Hill later that morning. I believe keenly that the creative spirit is in every human being by very virtue of the fact that we are human creatures of the divine creator. If we read the creation story in the Bible imaginatively, it becomes clear that to be made in the image of God means that we are most God-like when we are being creative, which suggests that we are most devilish when we are being destructive. The story of this altar frontal demonstrates how our creative spirit can be harnessed as a means of rehabilitation, 
palliative and restorative, redemptive even. But I wonder if we, a hundred years on, need to work harder to harness the creative spirit, not just to restore, but to prevent. It is an old adage that prevention is better than cure, and to return to the situation in Gaza once more. There could be no better example of the creative spirit being harnessed to prevent hatred and to break down barriers than Daniel Barenboim's West Eastern Divan Orchestra, in which Arabs and Israelis make music together in harmony and in peace. It is hard to imagine the hands that lift a violin to the shoulder and slide a bow across the strings to produce a sound of great beauty could also lift a gun to the shoulder and pull a trigger. Might another legacy of this altar frontal be a greater commitment on the part of all of us and of the world beyond the walls of this great church tonight, to place into more people's hands the tools of artistry and creativity, so that people are so occupied in building up that they have no time to take up arms, are so occupied in building bridges that they have no enemies against whom to take aim and fire are so occupied in building hope that they will carry on doing so despite everything. It may sound naive, but God help us, it works. The Ashington miners up in the northeast weren't good with words, so they painted. The unemployed of the Great Depression opened theatres as part of the settlement movement fine cell work represented here this evening is a social enterprise that trains prisoners in paid, skilled, creative needlework to foster hope, discipline and self-esteem. The director Michael Bogdanov moved into the inner city estate of Ladywood in Birmingham and turned indifference, suspicion and hostility into an 80-strong cast to stage extracts from Shakespeare. And Gareth Malone has reminded people that they can sing despite what they were told when they were kids. And 137 men learn to embroider despite experiencing horrors that we hardly dare imagine. To the greater glory of God, and in their memory, I would like us all to call the world's attention to the creative spirit that God has implanted in his children, and to work actively, not only reactively, to work actively to the potential of human creativity to beat swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks so that we be worthy of the name children of God because we are peacemakers and are blessed for that. This altar frontal 
is the golden thread that weaves together our remembrance with our aspirations. Like our faith, it expresses hope despite everything, and it is a legacy that not only pleads for peace, but provides us with a method for peace. Lance Corporal James Muth carried on his embroidery when he went home to Canada. He died at the age of 83. In the words of his son Malcolm, after a useful life in the community, the father of seven children, carpenter, church elder, village councillor, and so much more. God, for all that has been good, thank you. For all that could be better, yes, please. Amen. We pray for the leaders of the nations that you will guide them in the ways of freedom and justice and truth. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for those who bear arms on behalf of the nation, that they may have discipline and discernment, courage and compassion. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for our enemies and those who wish us harm, that you will turn the hearts of all to kindness and friendship. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for the wounded and the captive, the grieving and the homeless, that in all their trials they may know your love and support. Lord, in your mercy. We remember those on all sides who fell in the First World War and those who returned injured in body and mind, that their sacrifice may not have been in vain, and that we may strive evermore for peace and reconciliation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray that the creative spirit and the imaginative mind may always rise like a phoenix from the ashes of our selfishness till the earth is in tune with heaven and your work is done. Lord, in your mercy. Most holy God and Father, hear our prayers for all who strive for peace and all who fight for justice. Help us who today remember the cost of war to work for a better tomorrow. And as we commend to you lives lost in terror and conflict. Bring us all in the end to the peace of your presence through Christ our Lord. Amen. God grant to the living grace, to the departed rest, to the church, the queen, the commonwealth and all people, unity, peace and concord. And to us and all God's servants, life everlasting.
and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you this night and always. Amen. James Hanner, it's so lovely to have you with us this evening and thank you so much for reading the lesson. And could you share with us just some random thoughts about what it was like to see this altar frontal and know that your grandfather was connected with it? There's a million thoughts. <laughs> it was very emotional. Uh, but uh, it, was, uh, it was quite moving and uh, it was very nice to see it up front. Uh, my grandfather had spoken about it to my father who had passed it on and it was... Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, uh, it's almost larger than life, uh, but it's a very beautiful piece and it means a lot in this story. Mm, it does, it was a very emotional service, very moving service. Um, and it is pretty remarkable to be able to see it up close like this. As um, Jim was saying, our dad had mentioned about it and our grandfather did continue to do embroidery later on. Um, it's just hard to imagine our grandfather right now, if he saw all this spectacle, it might be <laughs> a bit embarrassing for him. He kept everything pretty low-key. Yes, he would have downplayed this considerably. Oh, yes. He wasn't expecting all of this a hundred years later. I very I'm much sure doubt that. Not. Well, we're so glad you're with us, and thanks very much. And do come back, see the frontal when it's in its display case, and uh, read the story on the website. But thanks very much well. indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you. What were your thoughts when you saw this beautiful altar frontal and thought of your father, Driver Cooney? What went through your mind? His hands were young when they did that. He was a young man. It seemed so strange. And he still had both legs. It's fascinating. I think he's done a wonderful thing. He turned the Queen down when she asked for a badge. Yes, he did. <laughs> because he wanted it for his sister. Well, he, he said he promised. He was awfully sorry, but he, he promised it to his sister Mabel. <laughs> Every time she heard the story, my mother was saying, <laughs> "Say no to the Queen." <laughs> He said, he said, I promised it to me. She said, she wouldn't mind it. He said, do you know? He was, he was really sorry to say no. You know, because, I mean, nobody says no to the Queen, do they? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't think she'd have minded if it was for his sister. No. But you've enjoyed being here tonight, uh, Ida. Uh, Thanks for coming. And make sure you come again and see the frontal again, won't you? Lovely to have yes, you I with will. us. Thank you.